to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. All right, well, welcome back, Mr. Whisker. You doing all right today? Yeah, doing good. Thank you very much. I like the new music, by the way. Hey, I thought we'd grunge it up a little bit, kind of get a head bob thing going, you know? I love it. It's distracting me in a good way. It is. Well, you know, this is actually a tribute, I guess, <laughs> to your past. Yeah. The grunge, the punk rock. The grunge. I wish I had my long hair still. I wish I could have seen you. Do you have a picture with <laughs> long hair? I tell you, we ought to do that, and, you know, we can share it with everybody here, your, your punk can, rock days. I can find a pic. Hey, if you can find a pic with long hair, I can find a pair of me or a picture of me with long hair. <laughs> hey, there we go. All right, that well, could be our next podcast. Yeah, Trent with hair. Yeah, you can see. Yeah, poor my poor wife. <laughs> I used to have really nice hair. I it was it. long and it flowed, and uh, then it all fell out. I always teased her. I said it was false advertising. <laughs> so hey, you're making up for it in the chin department, though, man. I lo- uh, you know, the beard. it's just it's moved south. <laughs> That's all I can say. Migration. Well. <laughs> I guess that's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, so again, we talked about, so the last two weeks, just kind of to recap, you know, we've talked um, for two weeks on evangelism. First, we just, what is evangelism? Then how to evangelize. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, we're going to be talking more specifically just about the next step, and that is discipleship and, and mentorship. And I think that we're combining these because they really are not exactly the same thing, mm-hmm. but can overlap. Um, and I know that you are strong in the area of discipleship. Uh, I, I feel like that I have grown and I've, you know, become stronger in recent years um, in the area of mentorship. I love mm-hmm. mentorship. Actually, actually, I've always been very much into mentorship. Mm-hmm. And so I thought uh, it's important to talk about di- discipleship, giftings in that area, and kind of what it looks like to disciple. Sure, sure. So well, I'm going to let you kick us off. I mean, so tell me what, you know, we talked about evangelism. So what's that transition? So what's next? So, yeah, I think discipleship is that natural kind of way forward from evangelism. If, if evangelism is reaching people who aren't believers, then discipleship is, you know, taking their hand and then walking them through their journey of following Christ. And I think the beauty with discipleship is that it's not just something for new believers. It's like, like, it's like a system that works a framework that works all the way throughout the church. You're never too old to be discipled. You're never too young to disciple somebody. And I think it's all to do with where you are in, in the body of Christ and looking out for those members who you feel a call into, you know, to have some oversight over and, and to help a hand to. It's the body of Christ coming together and assisting each other and looking out for each other. Accountability, keeping us all together. It's, it's a beautiful framework. It is a beautiful framework, and so um, we've, we've only touched on it here in regards to Ephesians 4.11. Uh, the fivefold ministry of one piece is just evangelism. So, you know, there's apostles and teachers and pastors, prophets, and they all play. When, when, when the church and the gifts come together, it's a beautiful thing because now you have all of these different abilities. If we all were made exactly the same way, it'd be a very boring and rigid world. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, some of us are, you know, talk a lot. Some of us don't talk a lot. Some of us are, you know, charismatic. Some not so much. Um, some are teachers. Some are prophets. And so when we talk about personality, sometimes it helps us understand a little bit about how we can contribute. I think one of the biggest failings, if, there, if there's a failing uh, inside the church, it, it's been, especially over the last, I'd say, 20 years, has been discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, I recently read a, a book um, called, uh, you know, Five, well, Seven uh, Great Men is the first one by uh, Eric Metaxas, and then he did Seven More Men. And w- there's, there's five men in particular in this book that are just evangelists through and through, one of which, um, you know, Billy Graham. I mean, we all know who he is. And he would go and he would preach. And they had a, a, a system and a mechanism to try to help people get discipleship, but these were these huge gatherings. I mean, mm-hmm. The biggest gathering they they had they had in, alive in one place was in South Korea with one million people. Wow! <laughs> Can you imagine a million people in one place? And, and the number that came to Christ was just astounding. Well, one of the things that I think so we've we've got evangelism. We we have a really good model for mm-hmm. that. What I feel like we failed at, and, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not that great. I remember there was a fellow that I was leading to Christ, and so my wife and I, we were leaving um, the church or leaving her parents' house one day, and so she'd been trying to figure out how she was going to tell me, you know, you know, this little thing that I'm not discipling this fellow quite well enough or whatever. <laughs> and, and so we get in the car, and my wife, if you, if you know Brandy, she's really sweet. And so she's like, she always has this sweet and then the message, and then the sweet. And I'm kind of like, just get to the point. But anyway, she starts getting into this, and, and she tells me, she goes, you know, you, you're just so good, at, you know, all this stuff. And she goes, but in the area of discipleship, this one with, with him, I, I started laughing really hard. And she, she looked at me, she got all mad, and she was red. And she goes, I said, honey, you're absolutely right. I definitely could do better. I said, you were really sweet building up to tell me that. But, you know, I think for me, where I struggle is if somebody's not willing to be receptive, Mm-hmm. Okay. In other words, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. We're in Texas. Let's use that phrase. Yep. All right. Amen. There you go. So, you know, and that, that's kind of my deal. So what, my time is limited, mm-hmm. and I want to point to people who are hungry or thirsty and, and want to learn and go. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced that? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, to go on a real personal note here, I think rejection is something that I feel like I've struggled with all my life since being a kid. It's something that... I constantly battle in a sense of I don't sometimes I don't want to put myself forward because I don't want somebody to not want what I'm given. And I think when it comes to discipling somebody and, you know, choosing to pour yourself into another person for their sake, for the sake of the kingdom, it is a, a hard situation when when, you know, they don't bite your hand off for the opportunity. And there are people who I've made an effort with to, you know, go after them. And then there are people who, you know, they haven't responded in the same way and i i have to just swallow my pride sometimes with this and be like send that text message josh even if you think you look lame sending it and even if it looks like you're making too much effort than a cool person should do no i get do it, it. like get do it. it because you're doing it for them i mean even now within you know my role here within the church here working with young people i i have to swallow my pride sometimes and be like okay i'm offering myself out and maybe i'm not being received in the way that i would feel like I deserve to be or want to be but this isn't about me and my ego this is about a big brother looking after little brothers or a father looking after sons I mean it's it's exactly what it is I will say this I the enemy attacks us anytime that we go out and we pursue building the kingdom so true okay. 
And I can't tell you how many times I've laid in, in bed and at night, and I'll wake up, and the enemy will be coming at me and say, oh, you shouldn't have sent that text. You sound just like a doofus. Or, or <laughs> I mean, have you ever, you know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. And so I think a lot of times the enemy comes and we second guess. So we have to know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the Father's voice is never shaming or condemning. It's always love and grace. Mm-hmm. But the enemy shows up to try to shame us, to embarrass yeah. us. And to, to put any type of fear in us. Anytime that we experience that, we know, hey, we must be doing something right. Yeah. In the area of discipleship or mentorship, we're going to talk more about in a minute, I think that you have to be willing to put yourself out there. Yeah, and I, I think you really, like, hit the nail on the head in saying that discipleship is an area in which the church struggles because the church in the West has got a, a spectatorship problem. We show up to church and we see 10 contributors on the stage Actually, I remember somebody said people in America, they don't say contribute, they say contribute. Contribute. Yeah, but that, hey, it's all right. It sounds better. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like it. When I go to the, when I go to the UK, I'll, I'll try to say yeah, contributors way. instead. <laughs> you know, we got 10 contributors on stage <laughs> in the worship team, the preacher, the announcements, and then we've got 500 spectators and people show up like it's the theater. They're like, oh, I wonder what songs we're going to do this week. I wonder if the message is going to be good this week. Whereas the church to me is a gathering point for everybody who is a contributor. Everybody in there has a role and has a part to play. But it's not right that everyone should be on the stage. But when it comes to the area of discipleship, that's not something that's meant to take place on the stage. That's not no. something that's meant to take place at the gathering point. That's something that's meant to take place throughout the week and in our lives. And if Doing life together. And if the spectators, like if those in the, in the congregation, in the, the crowd of people would look around and see each other and, and see the potential of how we could step up and input into each other's lives. Man, I think we'd see such a big change across the, you know, the body of Christ in general in the West. Well, I, I totally agree. So in our church, you know, we have life groups, okay? And that's really good, I think, because what you're doing is you're making the big church small, mm-hmm. and you create these personal relationships. Um, <clears throat> there's people that I know um, that have, you know, I like seeing generational teaching. So um, there's some folks in our church, uh, Gary and Linda Hall. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love I love both of them. They're, they're precious, precious people. Um, and Gary, on more than one occasion, has, you know, in fact, so he, he had something, a, uh, a dream, the Lord gave him a word for me. I don't know if it's a dream or just a word, but he gave me, anyway, it's prophetic, and it was right on the money. He said, hey, I'm going to take you to lunch. And as the first encounter I really had with Gary, uh-huh. um, and he always has just wonderful positive things to say. And another thing that impressed me about he and Linda, and I'm not going to name their ages or whatever, but <laughs> they're, you know, their kids are grown, and they have grandkids, and I mean, they're, uh, but they still go in, in at times, I've seen them still contribute, even in the area of the teens mm-hmm. on special events. Um, and I love that, you know, that's when you take somebody in the church who has lots of experience and they can pour bits and seeds of, of just wisdom into the next generation Mm -hmm. or even several generations down. Right. And and what that does, then that gets watered yeah, and then it, it begins to grow and you begin to see fruit. And I think that's kind of a big part when you and I were, um, grabbing some dinner this evening, we were talking about just the influence of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. So one thing that I want to say where you in the area of of discipleship mentorship, I think we need to go ahead and break the two apart. Everybody on the planet, everybody on the planet is being mentored by somebody, whether they realize it or they don't, they're being influenced. So Mm -hmm. think about this. So a mentor is somebody who's going to influence, you know, another person's life, hopefully 
for the better, right? Yeah. But not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's just kind of, you know, talk about what we are talking about in the car, uh, just the negative influences and how hard it is and, and how that kind of gets in the way of discipleship, which I guess the best point is, is like discipleship and mentorship, there's an overlap, right? But discipleship is what? I mean, it's, it's, it's gospel-centered. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you look in, I was looking in the dictionary at this stuff, and you can't find definitions of the word discipleship without it being rooted back to Jesus. And what I love about that, again, is that you look at the word discipleship and you see the unquestionable connection of discipleship and discipline. And, you know, discipline as a kid is a word that you want to avoid and run a mile away. Well, from. I had a lot of discipline in my, <laughs> my youth. Man, sometimes we need that discipline. But, you know, as, a, as an adult, I've grown to love discipline because discipline has taught it's me true. to be greater. And, you know, just to take an example, in the area of musicality, I spent, I'm, I'm a drummer. I play drums most of my life. You're a good drummer. Oh, thank you very much. And I, I love doing that kind of stuff. And I, I had a six-month period when I was 21 years old where I couldn't play drums. I was interning at a ministry, and there was just no need for me to play drums there. It was, it was a time putting the sticks down, and I hated it. Yeah. I hated every second of not doing it. But man, I learned the disciplines of what it meant to be a drummer by watching some pros do their thing. And when it came time for me to pick the sticks back up again, I had gained discipline from stepping back for a season, from doing something I didn't want to do. I mean, how, how many of us know that discipline is often engaging in something you don't, your flesh doesn't want to do? Oh, I know. Exactly, I, yeah. I became such a better musician and I, all of my senses, all the things that I worked on before in my freedom was nothing compared to what happened to me in that season of discipline and my musicality just grew so much from learning about not giving it 100% all the time but actually knowing when to withhold at the right moments and to be a disciplined musician with those kinds of things and I believe that's what Jesus wants to do in making disciples he's raising people who know what's good for them and who know what's bad for them who can tell the difference and who can follow Jesus down the narrow path down the gate that he leads to. One of my favorite things about Christianity is the fact that in you know the early church, they weren't called the church. People called them the way. People referred to this group of people yeah. who were following Jesus and they were like, oh, they're, they're members of the way or followers of the way. Because it wasn't about like a name. It was about, oh, they're living in a certain way. And you take it all the way back to Exodus. I think it's Exodus 33. Moses wants to see God's face. Moses asks to see God. And when God comes before him passes by. and he passes by and he proclaims his name, he doesn't just proclaim a name, he proclaims a way. He proclaims this narrow way, a set of attributes yeah, to himself. It's good. And we as Christians, we're people who get to follow Jesus in this way. Not that way, not another way, not do whatever you want, not do this. Jesus has shown us the perfect way. And as disciples, we get to, you know, we get to choose, but we get to walk in that. And I just see that that's the difference in, in my way. It, that's how I see the difference in some ways between mentorship and discipleship. Because mentorship, you can, you know, the whole world does it. And it's about bringing the best out of someone in whatever way they want to live. Well, you hope that that's going to be the case. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing. So the disciples, you hear the, the word disciple. Now, from our perspective, it's hard to think of it as in a negative connotation. Um, but there are negative disciples. When you look at the satanic church and all yeah. these horrible things, okay, that are rising up and they're trying to create, quote, what do they do? They're the false church, yeah, right? The false way. And so when we get back to kind of that question I talked about, 
about in the car, the influences of the world. I mean, there. So if you're being you're being mentored or potentially even discipled by certain things, think about these. The, the you know in the last several years, these different brides, these ISIS brides. You know what I'm talking mm, about? Yeah. Okay. So they, I mean, from Alabama and all these crazy places you would never. So they they get on the internet and they get radicalized. And what does it come down to? They're they're getting negative attention everywhere, and all of a sudden now they have positive attention in an area, even though it's negative, going to be have really negative consequences, they're getting this positive attention. And that leads to really bad things. So mm-hmm. um, I think that the next piece of that kind of is, is mentorship. I mean, mentorship, in fact, so when I, whenever I teach on mentorship, the fir- my favorite, absolute favorite person in the Bible to talk about mentorship is Barnabas. Uh-huh. He is like one of the unsung heroes in the New Testament, in my opinion, Okay. And if you don't know who Barnabas is, he he was actually, you know, uh, well, it is a disciple. And he had, you know, uh, a field of uh, that he had and he sold and he gave it basically to the way. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. And, and and it actually is kind of interesting. You know, I'm, there's quite a bit of scripture I'm going to give uh, and that I'm going to just verbally give that I'm not going to have on the screen today because there's so much that it follows. But so Barnabas, you know, he kind of he kind of comes into the scene. We all know Saul. So Paul rode to Damascus. He was the biggest persecutor before he was Paul. He Saul, right? He, he is mm-hmm. the biggest persecutor of the church, and he was killing Christians on the road to Damascus. Has encounter with Jesus. You know, he becomes a Christian literally in a nanosecond. Yeah, we've talked about this in previous days. Yeah. All right. Well, so then the next chapter of this really is is an Acts, and it has to do with. Whenever um, he begins, so he's on Straight Street, Ananias comes and prays over him, scales fall from his eyes, and, you know, God calls him into a ministry. He says, don't you worry. He says, I will tell you all that you, he must suffer in my name. And, and, and so he, he's, I mean, he's on fire. So Paul is one of those guys that's always in gear. And I kind of like Paul. Oh, I mean, yeah. I can relate to Paul. <laughs> I'm kind of always in gear. Paul and Peter, I can relate to. So the next thing that happens, though, is that, Whenever they t- he takes him back, he shows up with the, with the disciples. They don't believe him because here's this guy has been persecuting <laughs> him, right? And so here's Barnabas. And so Barnabas in Acts 9, beginning in verse 26, he actually befriends Saul as a new believer, and he begins to take him under his wing. Mm. Okay, now we can, we can say in this capacity that it's, it's discipleship. It is, but let me tell you something. Paul, you don't have to convince this guy about Jesus anymore. <laughs> All right? He's seen him with his own eyes. Yeah. He's a believer through and through. And so the next thing that has to happen, though, is he has to learn how to operate in this gift. Well, they're in Damascus. I mean, here's, here's I mean, Paul. He's going out there and preaching. I mean, he's, he's doing it. Well, they go back. Nobody wants to have anything to do with him. In fact, so Paul's whole ministry could have just been overwatched because nobody wanted to touch the guy. But Barnabas goes and seeks him out mm-hmm. in Tarsus. And so from Acts 11, 25 and 26, there, there's a number of years that go by here. And I think he, he, they go and they organize leaders um, in prayer and fasting and decision-making. Um, and he was learning how to preach and how to teach and how to, to live in a different manner. I mean, he had to change the way he thought, right? I mean, he'd been living a certain way, um, and he was aggressive, and he was having to— So several years go by. But there's always this interesting thing. So if you're reading the, the first parts of Acts, right, it's, it's Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. Uh-huh. But it changes, and it changes about, you know, Acts 13. And in Acts 13, it changed from Barnabas and Paul to Paul and his party. <laughs> Interesting. Everybody skips over this part. 
and here's what the important part of this is. This is the mentor aspect. Because in the mentor aspect, what has happened and transpired is that Barnabas has seen, he saw greatness in Paul. And he was trying to raise him up, but it, it had to be, it was a process. This was not mm -hmm. just a thing that's going to happen overnight. And so he was getting Paul closer and closer and closer. And when he saw that Paul was ready to take the reins, here, here's the sign of a beautiful mentor. He said, here you go. There wasn't any, you know, jealousy or anything else. He said, all right, now it's time for you to go. Yeah, like John and Jesus. John the, John Absolutely. the Baptist. John the ba so like, exactly, like John the Baptist and Jesus. And so, he, and so what happened then, Paul? Not Paul, I'm sorry. Uh, then, then Barnabas, he stepped back, but he was still there. Mm -hmm. And they were doing missions together. You know, it's, it's interesting. There, there's a whole lot more to that. And when I teach, there was a little bit of a falling out and then a rekindling later. So, um, and had to do with Mark, okay? And because we don't realize sometimes in, in the scripture how, how young these disciples were. Yeah. Okay? Um, have you been, have you watched The Chosen? Oh my goodness. I, I mean, I, I've cried through The Chosen. Oh, yeah, I watched yeah, yeah. a bit of it. I mainly just cried, but I watched it Oh my it gosh. I, you know, I can't help it. Uh, you can only watch so many, then you're, you know, you get all stopped up and stuffy. <laughs> no, it's true. In fact, one, there's several of them that were incredibly powerful to me. Uh, the way Matthew was portrayed. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You know, um, you know, and, and probably some of his, you know, autistic issues and things of that nature. Um, mm -hmm. We don't know. I mean, but I thought it was an interesting portrayal of, of just maybe his giftings. Yeah. Um, but one of the things that I think they're doing well is showing the age of some of these people. But one that I think that when you really kind of get into the scripture and you start trying to break down ages, one is whenever the falling out. So Mark, Paul, he was angry when, when he, Barnabas wanted to bring Mark along, and Paul said, "No, nah, I'm not doing that because he's the I mean, he'll he'll bail at the first sign of trouble." <laughs> and what had happened is that he had been with him in Pamphylia. Is that right? I think that's the name of it. Um, but anyway, they were on another mission, and Mark he was three generations deep in faith. Mm -hmm. All right, but he he may have only been like 19 years old. And they go to, I think it's Pamphlet or whatever. If I'm getting that wrong, you know, just <laughs> tell us in the comments. Yeah, I'm going to turn the comments off. <laughs> but anyway, so, but, but in this area, it was very demonically oppressed. And they only have one convert. And in that season, Mark's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going. I think, I don't know if he was just tired, just young and, and missed home or who mm -hmm. knows, right? And so what did is Paul, Paul just saw that as a, a sign of weakness. But if you fast forward, okay, so Barnabas, that's where the, the hiccup was, but Barnabas, Barnabas saw the same greatness in Mark that he saw in Paul, and he wanted to mentor him. Mm -hmm. Mark was already a devout follower. And think of this. Think about who he was, all right? He is a disciple. And here's Barnabas coming along, more mature, all right? Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to mentor you now in how to use those gifts. Mm. What's interesting, though, just so that you can see it wraps up, and, and things do resolve in, in the Scripture. In 2 Timothy uh, 4.11, you know, Paul writes, he's writing to Timothy, and he's, has, he has Luke with him, but he says, he tells Timothy, hey, go find Mark and bring him to me because he's important for our ministry, for my ministry, to complete my ministry. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I think that in the area of mentorship versus discipleship, discipleship, I think, is, is, is ongoing in regards to helping them in their faith and growing that faith. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes mentorship is a broader spectrum. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Have you had any mentors? If so let's just talk on that. Have you had any mentors in your life that come to mind? Oh, yeah. I've, and I've had a really powerful experience when it comes to mentorship. When I was 18 years old, I, I interned at a, a ministry in London. And part of the deal of me being at this ministry for a while was 
one of the leaders had to mentor me. Well, Mr. Mr. Proud, you know, prideful, Mr. Independent, go lone oh, wolf. I know exactly how lone that wolf whisker. I've never had any of those problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's like, still some pride in me to work at. I yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I got thanks for the offer, guys, but I, I don't really need a mentor. Like, I'm okay. And so, you know, like most good things in my life, I tried to push it away before I finally took the knee and like accepted what was coming. And the guy who mentored me is a guy named Phil Kingham. And when I say this man changed my life. This guy changed my life so, so much through simply just meeting up with me once every two weeks, letting me voice out things that didn't make sense to me at the time. He just was a good set of ears to me. He had wise words to speak back into me whenever I, you know, finally shut up and let him talk back to me. (laughs) And he was just there for me in scenarios in which it just made the most sense. And, you know, one of the best things that he really set me up for was he said that, in this setup of me mentoring you, I want you to be in a framework of mentorship right now. And so he asked me to do two things. He asked me to find a friend who's in a similar life position to me and make them an accountability partner. So That's make, really good. Make them somebody who you meet up with regularly, pray with, share if there's an ongoing issue in your life or uh, share your weaknesses with them so that you've got someone to strengthen you and stand with you. And um, he also told me, he said, I want you to pray and think about someone who's younger than you or in a, you know, in a, a less mature life position. And I want you to pour into them. That's in the cool. way that I'm pouring into you. And what he did in that was, and I, you know, I, I accepted that I needed to be mentored, and, but I fought off those two. I'm like, I don't want an accountability partner. I don't want to mentor somebody. But then when I eventually took them all on, I was like, my goodness, I am in, I've got safety nets in every angle around me right now. Like, I've got someone above me looking out for me. I've got someone to live for below me, someone to input into, someone to have a reason to do the That's right really thing. That's really good. That's really and I've good. got someone beside me to look to and to see how their journey's going and to stand with me in mine. And I was like, man, what can go wrong here? I'm covered. I'm covered in every sense. And it was all through this idea of mentorship, which made me puke at the beginning and then made me realize I don't want to live without this for the rest of my life. I finished that year of him mentoring me and I begged him and said, Phil, please, pretty please, could we carry on doing this? And he very graciously um, agreed to carry on. And so he's still my mentor to this day. We That's still, really cool. We still talk and especially when I'm in London, I will hit him up and voice everything that is ongoing in my heart. And I just know he's got the right thing to say into me and I wouldn't, wouldn't be where I am without his input into my life. And that fires me up to want to be that to other people. You know, that's really good. I, so I, you know, I've, I've said in previous, you know, episodes or whatever. I mean, May 22nd, 1994 was the day I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember after that, for a number of different reasons, I mean, I, I was one of the mentor. I remember when I got into college and then I was a young, I got graduated and then I was, you know, a young professional. Uh, and I kept, I kept waiting for you know the ceo of some big bank to come and say hey i'm gonna mentor you i mean i i don't know what i was thinking um i had or or you know the the, the senior pastor you know some mega church hey i'm gonna come and mentor i know that this you know i had a little pride in me okay but um you know god humbled me in a couple of different areas um in in some had to do with receiving a prophetic word from the least likely person pos- that i would have ever expected to then realizing how many mentors I had in my life. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know what I do, um, I know I look like a cop or a lumber, <laughs> lumberjack or something, but actually I'm in technology, and uh, I have uh, a, a software company, 
The name of our company is Micro Four. And the four stands for, um, it was my dad, two uncles, and an aunt who started the company. And I started, I'm, I'm second generation, but interestingly enough, because it's a family business, uh, I started at a very young age. I was 14 when I started in the business uh, here. And so that was 1991. I'm not going to ask what year you were born. <laughs> All right. But anyway, so I've been doing it a really long time. Well, when I first started, um, whenever our, our software, you know, was uh, touchscreen based. And this is long, but everybody thinks about touchscreen now. Everybody's got your phones. I mean, you know, uh -huh. everybody has touchscreen, but there weren't no such thing. We had to build them back then. You had these CRTs. So my first job was building them. You didn't have your best buys or this or that. We had computer uh, hardware companies that we, uh, you know, had relationships with, and we'd buy them and build our own computers. And that's what the next thing I'd do. I, so I'd build those touchscreens. I'd build the computers. I would network them and put, together, put them together. And so my aunt, my, well, my uncle, uh, he, he taught me how to do these things. And then I had an aunt who would come along, and she would sit with me as I would build all these things up. And then I had another uncle. When I got further, I started doing software development. Um, and he was my first boss, and my dad was always in there. And, and, I ha and then eventually they raised me up. And then when I got to a certain level, they said, all right, then I took the reins, and I ran forward. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize. And what's interesting about my situation is that there's four people in that particular example I gave. I have other mentors in my life in other areas, but those four people each had different giftings, uh -huh. and they each poured into me, I would say, in very many equal parts, and it gave me a completely different perspective in the area of the profession, the business of what I do, but also personally. Wow. Um, you know, I have just because some of them are very gifted in finance, and others are gifted in just all these different areas, um, and it was just, it's, it's, so th they had a very uh, big impact on my life. Uh -huh. And I love the way that you say that because the word that comes to my mind when I hear that is like apprentice or apprentice. Absolutely. And it's it, very much that. And that's a, that's a really a word that I love to kind of like use as a paraphrase when I think of the disciples is I see Jesus picking a bunch of apprentices to come and take over the family business. And, you know, one of the, one of my favorite things, again, like early church type stuff is they were called the way, but the word Christian you know, I hear some translations and ways to understand that is to hear it as little Christ. People became called Christians because they were like, oh, yeah, they're little Christs. They're small Christs. They're like mm, that's you know, exactly Jesus right, Christ yeah. who went before. And I'm like, that is what it means to follow Jesus, to be like him. And when we are discipling others, when we are mentoring others, we're inviting them into that apprenticeship, into this family business of God. Like, I think it's John 5, um, where Jesus uh, talks a lot about it's John 5 or John 10. Jesus talks a lot about, um, you know, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends. And from reading those scriptures, I've just received so much life in understanding that, like, Jesus hasn't promoted us out of servanthood to friendship so that we don't have to work anymore. He said, well, I believe when Jesus says that, you're going to check me out here. Hopefully I got it right here. John, yeah, John 5 or John. It's, it's after the vine and the branches. Yeah, so you keep going. I didn't want, I didn't want to distract you. No, keep no, you're good. And what I see out of this is that when Jesus is saying, like, no longer do I call you servants, but I call you friends, he's not saying that there's no longer a job to do and you just get to be my mate and, you know, now we can sit back and watch the little ones take care of everything. It's like Jesus is saying, come and join me in the family business. There's a place for you in this family, no matter what, no matter what you bring, no matter what you don't bring, no matter what value you think you do or don't have, there is a place for you. But there is a job to be done. And I value you for what, and like, he's basically saying, I don't want you just to be doing nothing. You're not just a trophy to sit on the mantelpiece. I want you to partner with me. I want you to come and join me in my work. And when you look at the dynamics between 
you know, God the Father and Jesus the Son, you see this incredible, like, connection between them and how they're tag team in this work with, you know, through the Holy Spirit as well, in that Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father's heart and was sent by the Father to do his work, almost as the first apprentice, like the first disciple in some ways. And the way that Jesus extends the invitation to us and says, you know, I'm going, he ascends to heaven and he says, I'm giving you the Spirit. You're going to do greater things than I've ever done. What faith? Well, I remember that. So, I mean, that is what faith. You know, I, in The Chosen, okay, I think is actually episode one of season two. It's the thunder. It's oh, the, the sons of thunder. The sons of thunder, right? Okay. I might cry again, don't. I know. But so, <laughs> but what is interesting, they're waking up one morning and, and James, you know, and John, they're like, you know, hey, so he, and he said someday I must go. He, but he's saying that someday you'll be able to do things I do. And they're like, when? Give me. And so not too long later, you know, uh, there's some Samaritans throwing stones at him, you know, and spitting at him. And, and they're ready to call down fire and brimstone. And Jesus is like, hold on a minute. He said, this is why you're not quite ready for that authority, that power just yet. Discipline. That discipline. I mean, but it's interesting, though. And, and the thing is that, that I think so many people don't get, and that's part of the simple discipleship and mentorship. Um, no matter where you are in your walk, you can always learn something new. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I feel like I am a, a very, um, you know, seasoned, you know, Christian, but I, I, I realize the more I learn, the less I realize I know, <laughs> you know, and I think that's a good place to be. For example, Beautiful paradox. Exa- absolutely. Well, so if you'll recall, like even the other night when we were at an, an event um, and your father-in-law, Tommy, had asked us to come and just uh, to pray over, prophesy over, intercede. Um, and, and so there was uh, Brandy, my wife you know, had been praying. It just felt that there was somebody in there with a shoulder issue that God wanted to heal. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's scary to step out in these areas, but she's, you know, she's in the next, you know, she has done this before, but sometimes being discipled and in a moment, my wife, a very seasoned Christian who mm-hmm. loved it, she was brave enough and the Lord had told her what to do to step out and to, you know, to pray over this guy to heal. Well, she goes over, she prays. And this, this is a, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get it wrong if he's watching this, if he's a Marine or what, but he, he, he's a military guy. You can tell there's no, uh-huh. there's no fibbing or wiggle in this guy. Um, and so, you know, Brandy's like, okay, she finished praying. And Tommy said, well, does, hold on a minute. Does it feel better? And he's like, oh, no, it doesn't really feel any better. I don't. And so Tommy said, okay, hold on a minute. And he says, we need to go back and we need to revisit this. And let's pray again. Uh-huh. This was something that I honestly, I learned a lot watching, you know, in, in that moment, I mean, Tommy was a great, you know, mentor, right? Yeah. To everybody in the room to experience, no, let's go do this again. So we go back over where they go back over. Uh, they pray again and God heals this, this guy's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I don't know if you were met, met with Steven after um, the, the meeting. Well, he came up to me and we barely talked before really in, in but this dude, he was piping some voltage. <laughs> His faith meter was at a hundred and had Tommy in that moment not done what he did. Now that yeah. was very pastoral. Yeah. Okay. But also it, it was in that moment, it was also, he was, he was, he taught, I learned something. Mm. That was a mentoring moment uh, in that area. Right. And I think that when, when we're bold and willing to step out, okay. Yeah. We're going to hit some branches on the way down and mm. up or whatever. Okay. We're going to have some bruises and cuts and we're going to fall down, but we have to put ourselves out there mm-hmm. and be willing to, and here's the thing, you mentioned earlier that, you know, your mentor asked you to go and mentor somebody maybe that was younger. Interestingly, I've had, I've actually mentored people 
So mentorship is something that I, I got into uh, and it was very serious about mentoring other people about 10 years ago mm-hmm. ish, maybe more now, 15. I, okay. But anyway, um, and there was a, a group of people that were going through recovery and they were in this program and I knew that for them to get to that next phase, the, there's, these are some people that were strong in their faith, but they need to have mentorship. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure that, well, anyway, some of the people that I mentored were 10, 15 years older than me. Wow. <laughs> and they even called me their mentor. I didn't, I didn't set it up that way. It just kind of happened that way. Uh-huh. Um, and I had one recently call me even a few weeks ago. It was about 15 years older than me and asking, you know, just, you know, mentoring type of advice. Uh-huh. So I think that it's one of those things that we have to just kind of be willing to do. Now, you said something earlier that I think we need to circle back around as we kind of start wrapping up, and that is – it is time intensive. Yeah. Right? So Jesus, he couldn't disciple the whole world. Yeah. I mean, he's God. He could have done anything he wanted to, I guess. Let me let me rephrase that. He could have done anything he wanted to. But here's what he did. He knew how much the, each of us would get out of pouring into somebody else. I have learned so much more in my life teaching than, as you mentioned earlier, spectating. Yeah. Okay. Um, teaching holds you to, a, in fact, the scripture is very clear on this, holds you to a higher level of accountability. Yeah. Um, but it's okay to not know all the answers. So when you, J- Jesus, what he was doing was modeling what we needed to do inside the church. The, when we talk, like our church is an Acts 2 church, and that is go out, be the feet and the hands of Jesus, yeah. and create disciples so that they, in turn, right, go and, and build. Yeah. So it's not about finding a bunch of people to disciple Jesus. He took 12. All right. And he discipled them well. Yeah. And he raised them up and he, he replicated what needed to happen for the church to grow. So here's how you, here's what you have to do to grow the church. And I think that's maybe something to circle back around and kind of, you know, your thoughts on that, because I think that's what we need to do is to find a way to just help even one or two. I, you know, I've heard somebody share with me before. If every believer on earth, took three people and we had to disciple them, you know, concentrate on a non-believer or something like that. We would see such rapid growth in the kingdom just from the humble thought of taking three people and then those three people then going on to take those three people. And I think for me, the big principle of this comes down to what it was when it comes to evangelism. It's about willingness. It's about taking a risk and it's about putting yourself out there and not being afraid of what the consequences are. I've, you know, I look at people across the church in general, like back in my hometown or anywhere, and I'm like, there is so much untapped potential sat on the chairs of our churches. I agree with that. And I'm like, people often don't feel qualified to mentor someone or to take someone under their wing because they, you know, their self-esteem issues, they don't think they're great enough or whatever. But I'm like, man... Each, each person's gifting might just be the key needed to unlock something in someone else's life. My mentor, a guy, you know, Phil, his name was, he had the right keys for my heart and in a way that maybe someone else didn't. If we would all sit down and pray and just think, who can I be a big brother to? Who yeah. can I father? Like one of the most powerful mentoring experiences I've had is somebody who, if, I, if he knew I was referring to him as a mentor, he'd probably laugh at me and say, I never mentored Josh. I just... <laughs> You know, I just, I'm just a dad and I just looked after him. He's one of my best friend's dads. He just took extra care of me in a season of life where I was living far away from home. And I cannot tell you how much that impacted me. 
as a fully loved two-parent home, grown up in church, pastor's kid. Yeah, I get it. The love of this guy in my life affected me so much. And I came out of that thinking, man, if I had no real dad, that guy might have just saved my life in doing that. Who in our church community, who in our sphere of influence can we just go and make an effort to put an arm around, be that big brother, be a father, well, be a mother, be a big sister? I think what you just said is really significant because um, I, I have had people that I've just not even quote unquote necessarily mentored, but I've been an example to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And young people. And then their parents later would tell me years later that some, I mean, eight years later, in one case, I, I was six, because they, they were through college at that point. And I remember them, it made an impact. And I was like, wow, I, sometimes you don't know. You don't know the impact that you're having yeah. and the influence that you can have. I, I knew I, in that case, I didn't. I didn't yeah. even think that kid was listening, <laughs> you know? So you just don't know. And, and I think that you're absolutely right, too, that, um, you know, your circle of influence is so, so much bigger than you think. Yeah. Um, you know, the world tries to try to say, you know, the, the, the enemy knows that people are influential. Otherwise, he wouldn't be trying to whitewash the world and say, you know, get, getting rid of the pink aisles and toy stores <laughs> and everything else because, you know, we're, they're trying to influence negatively when, you know, you know, just influencing, you know, simply in the direction of this, the truth of this, um, the peace that comes with it, and teaching somebody else how to live in that peace, mm-hmm. you know, is a beautiful and a wonderful thing. It's a gift. Yeah. And, and, I, and I also don't want to get caught up in the in the like uh the formality of a title when it comes to being a mentor oh i agree yeah i would say the young people who i would consider myself that i've mentored and sewn into i wouldn't expect any of them to say oh yeah josh whisker he's he's my mentor i'm like i don't i don't want them to say that i just want them to i'm just going to pour into them regardless of what they see me as and you know i just want to let the fruit speak for itself you know and so i'd say again in encouraging people to go ahead and just start discipling people start mentoring people don't don't be like hey i want to be your mentor or don't be like you know i would like to mentor this or like just just do it just if you see a gap fill it well you know what's interesting is it doesn't even have to look like the environment you're thinking um you know heck man i know people who really like to go golf i mean it's not that i don't like it it's just i mean (laughs) i can cuss in about 15 different languages when i go play (laughs) golf so i try not to get out too much but you know, so if you're big golfers, I mean, maybe you can go and mentor, you know, just that's a great time because you're in carts, you can play, you're recreating. Yeah. It's something you may be going and doing already. And you can speak a little life. I mean, if you're 18 holes, it's a three hour deal, man. I mean, you're going to have opportunity to say something. I'm working out me. I, I like uh, working out. I have guys in my gym. I have a gym there at my place uh, at home. And, and um, I, I have guys in, we'll work out. <clears throat> It's amazing how you can bond over, you know, lifting heavy things, you know, uh, and, and the, whatever it may be. I mean, if, you know, you, a sewing club or I, mean, I don't know, I'm going to get something else. You're <laughs> so sexist. Hey, it could have been dudes having a sewing club. I don't know. Okay. But I'd love to see you mentor in the sewing club. Uh, hey, dude, <laughs> my great grandmother, when I was little, my great grandmother and my grandmother both taught me how to sew. I can sew. <laughs> Respect. All right. Um, didn't see that coming. Did <laughs> no, I didn't. All right. Curveball. See? But anyway, you know, whatever it is, I mean, if you have a like, um, an interest, sometimes that gives you an opportunity. In fact, that's the way it was in, in older generations is that you, the, the women, the older women would teach the younger women 
Everything. I yeah. mean, from how to prepare meals and, and to keep a home and to raise children. And not only that, it was a community. Yeah. Uh, and so it wasn't necessarily them calling each other mentors, but and that's exactly what they were doing. And it's, it's like what we were talking about last week. It's finding common ground. It's, it's taking the scriptures of becoming all men, you know, becoming all things to all men. Like if you see an angle that you can take some, you know, that you've got some authority in and that you can take advantage of not in a bad advantage is a bad word these no days. i know exactly i know exactly capitalize if there's an area where you're like oh, I have an interest capitalize in that. can be a bad word oh too. yeah oh man i'm gonna get cancelled for everything if you can do something good how's that <laughs> i'm like oh yeah if i get cancelled for that then i'm in big trouble uh-huh. well, um, yeah. just you know just finding something as you say golf working out i you know i can i can definitely massively see the impact you have on people through what you do in oh, your gym well, because you've got an authority in it and the authority shows in in the way that you know you've worked in your own life but you know it's just about taking those areas and maybe one little illustration that i've been thinking about recently is when it comes to music again i'm a drummer but i'm not a singer but whenever whenever i'm in church i love to try and sing harmonies to what's going on i do the same thing uh, not because i'm good but no, because i like the neither. challenge that's my wife and what i've found is that if i try and sing a harmony before it's been sung by the singer on the stage, I cannot for the life of me find it. But as soon as somebody on that stage jumps into that harmony, I follow it and then I can't find what I was doing before. And what I've noticed in that is that the person who's a singer who has that God-given talent, they've got an authority to lead. And because I was willing to follow them into that, I'm now doing something I'm not capable of doing because of them leading the that's way a, That's a good me. illustration. And I'm like, when it comes to mentoring and discipling, find those people who you know are in that younger life space than you and, and as you say that doesn't have to be age that can be their walk with god that can be you know um all kinds it's of it's about life authority things. i mean timothy was yeah. young right and he said and, and, and paul would speak to timothy and say don't let age be a factor a limiting factor for you is walking the authority in which god gives you mm-hmm. um you know paul again was a great he was a great mentor but he was that's why i always go back to barnabas okay because barnabas he mentored paul <laughs> you know um but I, I, I think this is, you know, a good place to kind of sit. I, I think that, one, if if uh, if you're out there and, and you're one of those people that you, you've never had a mentor um, and you're looking for mentorship, I, I would say don't be afraid to ask. Um, if sure. you have somebody who is in your life or in your spectrum that you feel like could actually um, be a positive influence in your life, you know, I'd say go for it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know that that's happened in in uh, in our lives before, um, specifically in my wife's lives. We have five kids, and there was a, a situation where there's somebody they their name just kept coming up, kept coming up till God introduced us, and they're good friends. Um, and so I just I would encourage you. The other thing is, don't be afraid to to step out, and actually have you know the courage to say, hey, I'm going to help somebody. Um, mm-hmm. I want to make sure that you know I can pour. What I've learned into somebody else, mm-hmm. I think there's a, just such a great opportunity. You think you're going to bless this other person, I promise you, you'll be more blessed than them. I, it's usually oh, the way yeah. it goes. That's so true. You know? So anyway, I tell you what, man, it's been great having you here. Hey, thank you so much for having and, me. And uh, we're going to, we'll do this some more. Um, but I, I think, I tell you what, we have a couple of episodes coming up. We're going to talk about some interesting, maybe even controversial topics. We're going to get into Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah's spirit. We're going to talk about some neat things regarding the flood and maybe some of the uh, current events that are going on. So anyway, we've loved having you here. Um, We look forward to seeing you next time. See you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube 
Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church at Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference.